We cover the latest macro data, tech layoffs, review earnings from the week, cover the biggest analyst calls, and preview next week. This is the Running With The Money show, powered by Donate Capital and Pounding the Table. Let's get into it. Not a question of enough, pal. It's a zero-sum game. Somebody wins, somebody loses. I have been a rich man, and I have been a poor man, and I choose rich every time. Money never sleeps, pal. Just made 800,000 Hong Kong gold. There are three ways to make a living in this business. First, be smarter or cheaper. up and welcome to another episode of the running with the money show we are back i'm your host luke tonight and let's get into the latest macro data now covering the biggest point of the week and that came in yesterday was those jobless claims coming in hot initial claims for state unemployment benefits dropping by fifteen thousand to a seasonally adjusted hundred ninety thousand for the week ending january 14th all these economists pulled by Reuters were hoping that it came in at 214,000, but well, uh, it turned out to be 190,000 and the economists were again wrong. Unadjusted claims dropped by 53,582 to 285,575 last week. And this is not what the market bulls and economists want to see. Well, why do they not want to see this? We covered this in the last episode. The market does not want to see a strong labor market because the Federal Reserve keeps using the strong labor market as an excuse to further tightening into a weakening economic environment. At least that's the thesis here. So, Definitely pay attention to the labor market. The latest piece coming out of the labor market was not positive. It was negative for the markets. And that's why on Thursday, you likely saw a sizable drop across the market. Now, looking into layoffs continuing throughout major tech companies. Now, let's preview or at least go back and look at what led up to today where we saw Google announcing they're laying off 12,000 people from their workforce. Now, prior to this, Microsoft said on Wednesday that they are going to eliminate 10,000 jobs. And that joined Amazon, which just ahead of them announced they were laying off 18,000 employees. Now, prior to both Microsoft, Amazon, and Google, we had Meta announce in November that they were trimming 11,000 employees. And then just a week to that, the rideshare giant Lyft announced that they were reducing employees by 13%. And that came out to basically 683 employees. Now, we do have to know that these companies are so big, 10,000 jobs, 18,000 jobs, 12,000 jobs, 11,000 jobs, that's not that big to these companies. That's not that much of a move. I mean, that is pretty much single-digit percentages of their entire workforces. But still, they're laying people off in mass. And that is not a positive for the U.S. economy. And despite all of the tech layoffs we have seen over the months, the labor market remains strong. Now, that tells us something very, very important that the labor market is much more resilient than what you think. And if the labor market is resilient, well, that just gives the Fed more leeway to tighten even more. Now, shifting into existing home sales. Sales of previously owned homes, well, they dropped by 1.5% in the month of December per the latest report by the National Association of Realtors. Sales ended the year at a seasonally adjusted and annualized pace of 4.02 million units. That was 34% lower than in December of 2021, and it was the slowest pace since November. 
November of 2010. Now, total sales for the year were down 17.8% from 2021, so that's a year-over-year measure, and home sales have now fallen, to be exact, 11 straight months in a row. Ouch, and that is likely due, well, it's pretty much due to much higher mortgage rates. Now, shifting into even more detail, at the end of December, total housing inventory fell by 13.4% from the November level to 970,000 units, but that was up 10.2% from the previous December reading, so that's year over year. Now, unsold inventory, where is that at? Well, it's measured in time, and it currently came in at 2.9 months of supply at the current sales pace. Now, that's down from 3.3 months in November, but it's also up 1.7 months from that in December of 2021. So, the housing market still overall remains tight. I mean, that's pretty low supply. A 2.9-month supply is not extremely high, and that's likely putting some upside pressure on the housing market, but those mortgage rates are, well, far outweighing the positive pressures. And then you take a look at sales of homes priced above a million bucks. Those were down 45% year over year in sales of homes priced between $250,000 and half a million, 500 grand. Those were down 34%. So we do have to pay attention to that. The fact that this is the 11th straight month in a row that we have seen declines. Now shifting into earnings we have gotten throughout the week and there was really only one big dog that reported this week. And that big dog was Netflix. Well, there's two ways to look at Netflix. It's either the dying streaming giant, which will soon be overtaken, or it's the leader in streaming, which they still are, that's going to continue to grow and beat out their competitors. Either way, let's take a look at what they reported in their latest quarterly reports. Taking a look, they delivered an EPS of $0.12 compared to the $0.45 per share estimate, according to Refinitiv. So not the best when it comes to EPS. And according to Netflix, EPS missed mostly due to a loss related to euro-denominated debt, according to them, but their margins of 7% still topped expectations of Wall Street. Now, revenue coming in at $7.85 billion, which is good, according to Refinitiv, beating out expectations. And on top of that, global paid net subscribers coming in at 7.66 million ads, and that's compared to the expectation of 4.57 million ads. So that's very good news. They beat out huge on global net paid subscribers. Now, taking a look at even more detail into some more company-like strategy stuff, well, this was the first quarter that Netflix's new ad-supported service was included in their earnings results, and well, it looked like it helped some. Now, they will not tell us how many people subscribed to this ad-supported tier, but considering the global paid net subscriber beat, it probably contributed some, and this cheaper tier was launched in November. Now, taking a look at specifically what management said in relation to this new tier, they said, quote, we wouldn't be getting into this business if it couldn't be a meaningful portion of our business, said Spencer Newman, who's the company's chief financial officer. He went on to say, quote, we're over $30 billion in revenue, almost $32 billion in revenue in 2022, and we wouldn't get into business like this if we didn't believe it could be bigger than at least 10% of our revenue. So they believe that this ad-supported tier is going to eventually represent at least 10% of their revenue, which is very interesting. It'd be nice to know how much it represents at the current moment. Now, shifting into what the company is predicting when it comes to revenue growth in the first quarter of 2023, they're predicting a rise of 4%, which is higher than the 3.7% expectation Wall Street set going into these earnings. And I suppose the biggest news of this report 
is co-CEO Reed Hastings will be stepping down from his position and transitioning over to uh, executive chairman. Now, Greg Peters, the company's chief operating officer, has been promoted to be co-CEO alongside the already established Ted Sarandos. So that's a very interesting mix up there when it comes to executive leadership at Netflix. And a lot of people are wondering, is this a negative or a positive that Reed Hastings is stepping down? He's a very smart businessman and he's led this company to much success. Maybe it's not the best thing for Netflix. It'd be interesting to know his key reasoning. Now, shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day, Mizuo reiterated Amazon as a buy. They go on to say, quote, maintain buy on Amazon and $135 price target on positive long-term fundamentals, but expect stock volatility from potential downward revisions near term. Shifting into JP Morgan, upgrading Regeneron to overweight from equal weight, they were very short and sweet with this one and said, we are upgrading Regeneron to overweight from neutral ahead of a number of important 2023 updates. Evercore ISI reiterated Tesla as in line. They go on to say, quote, the big question is whether order trends remain sticky as U.S. deliveries were already expected to grow plus 50 to 60% year over year to 750 to 800,000 price cuts can only stoke extended demand so much for existing aged products as seen in China with just 12,000 regs per week after cuts. So Evercore ISI reiterating Tesla as in line, taking a look at those orders and hoping that the order trends remain sticky. Taking a look, MKM downgraded Pinterest to neutral from buy. What a surprise, another social media company getting downgraded. MKM went on to say, quote, at current levels, we believe the risk reward is fairly balanced. Furthermore, our proprietary ad agency survey results have marginally negative read-throughs for Pinterest as compared to Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, and Snap, implying a potential market share loss amidst a somewhat weak ad spend market in the first half of 2023. JP Morgan reiterated Netflix as overweight today as well. The firm went on to say, quote, we've remained bullish on Netflix shares as one content advertising and paid sharing should drive accelerating foreign exchange neutral revenue growth through 2023. Two, operating margins expand due to faster revenue growth and tighter cost discipline. And three, free cash flow ramps on improving profit and stable cash content spending. JP Morgan liking Netflix as overweight. Bank of America reiterated Block, previously known as Square, as a buy. Confirmed on to say, quote, the pandemic as well as new product introductions have led Square's or Block's estimated total addressable market to increase from $60 billion in 2017 to $190 billion in 2022. Bank of America liking that total addressable market increase for Block. Shifting into Cohen, downgrading Salesforce to market perform from outperform, they went on to say, quote, we are downgrading Salesforce to market perform. With several recent exec departures and a major restructuring underway, we expect to see elevated levels of disruption risk. Cohen not liking the mix-ups over at Salesforce. This went Morgan Stanley reiterating Palo Alto Networks as overweight. Going on to say, quote, given the ability to consolidate security budgets within a large installed base, growing recurring revenue and improving operating margin, we believe PanW, or Palo Alto Networks, remains a durable 20% plus free cash flow compounder even in a slowing macro. Man, Morgan Stanley loving Palo Alto. Now shifting into our final analyst call of the day, we had JP Morgan reiterating Coinbase as neutral 
Firm went on to say, quote, we see Coinbase as a beneficiary of the challenges that have faced other brokers and exchanges in the aftermath of the collapse and bankruptcy of FTX. And that's coming from JP Morgan, who's JP Diamond, their CEO, seems to absolutely hate Bitcoin. The market makers and hedge funds run the market. But what if I told you there was a platform that provided unique insights into hidden hedging, exposing the smart money's active positions. Rocket Scooter revolutionizes technical analysis, utilizing liquidity data to reveal high reward, lower setups for any market environment. Not only that, but Rocket Scooter provides you with live stream trading every weekday, detailed training videos, personal coaching, and access to a private trading community of over 3,000 traders. Check out Rocket Scooter easy-to-use platform that includes automatic liquidity mapping and customizable scanners and much more. In fact, this tool is so awesome, I use it in my daily trading strategy. So go give Rocket Scooter a try completely free using the link rocketscooter.com forward slash Luke. Again, that's rocketscooter.com forward slash Luke. Let's get back to the show. Now, shifting into technicals and looking at the market prior to actually digging into the week ahead, I feel like a good little technical segment going on where the market is at on a Friday isn't a bad thing. Gives you a little preview of what's to come. So looking at where the market is currently trading, the S&P 500 is currently trading at 3934 Now, shifting into what we are seeing. So, of course, we have had in the past two months two tests of our key SPX downtrend line. And just last week, we were talking about the fact that this would be the decision week. Are we going to break out when it comes to the SPX downtrend or are we going to reject it? And well, we rejected. Yes, of course, we rejected again. No surprise there. In the Bears one right off that trend line, the market quickly went from 3,980 all the way back down to 3,900. Now today, this lovely Friday afternoon, we are trying to bounce right at 3,900, which is the top end of that previous range we were in for like 14 days. So 3,900 is huge. If we lose 3,900, you risk a move down to 3,800. And if you lose that 3,800 support, well, you could very well see a move even lower to possibly 3,724, maybe 3,650, or even 3,600. Now, some key levels you want to pay attention to aside from that is the JPM collar levels. You have the top end of that collar right around 4,030. You have the mid at 3,600, and you have the low end of that collar at 3,040, so you definitely want to pay attention to that. And the pre-COVID high is right around 3,395. So when it comes to the S&P 500 right now, as we look at it Friday, it's pinched between the downtrend line that is progressively getting closer and also the top end of the previous range we broke out of, which is right at 3,900. Now, it'd be very good on a technical basis for the bulls if we actually bounced off the 3,900 level and moved up for another test and possibly a breakout. But if we quickly lose this 3,900 level, once again, it's not going to look too great. The S&P 500 is still well within a downtrend, but a net positive is volatility has absolutely been collapsing. It's now in the teens once again after quickly spiking yesterday. It's now trading right around 19.5. Now, shifting into QQQ and the NASDAQ. Where in the world is that trading and what do we see? Well, just like the S&P 500, it's still within a strong downtrend, but 
is continuing to test that downtrend line more and more, which is a good sign. Now, the previous or latest relative high in the triple Q was right around 285. So if you see a move back up over 285, well, you may be looking at a very possible technical breakout of the triple Q downtrend line, but that continues to be on watch. And of course, rounding out our technical segment here, Let's take a look at the U.S. dollar, the Dixie Index. And that thing has peaked the trough, already sold down roughly 12%. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it took 112 days so far to sell down just 12%. And positioning in that is extremely bearish. As we saw last week with some Bloomberg reporting, all these funds are piling in short. And it's the shortest we have been in years when it comes to the Dixie. So maybe a short squeeze there could be an opportunity if a reversal in this market comes to fruition, a dollar up, a market down. Boy, oh boy, you could see one hell of a trade in the Dixie. But shifting away from the technicals, let's get into next week. What do we see next week? What's upcoming? Well, here's the week ahead when it comes to earnings. On Monday, we have Baker Hughes, Brown & Brown. We have Logitech, Zions, Crane. Shifting into Tuesday, we have Microsoft, Johnson Johnson, Danaher, Verizon, Texas Instruments, Raytheon, Union Pacific, Lockheed Martin, Intuitive, General Electric, Canadian National Railway, 3M, and so much more. On Wednesday, we have Tesla, ASML Holdings, Abbott, NextEra Energy, AT&T, IBM, Boeing. I mean, the list goes on and on. Next week is absolutely filled with earnings. On Thursday, we have Visa, MasterCard, Comcast, Intel, Northrop Grumman, Sherwin-Williams, Blackstone Group. And then on Friday, we have Chevron, China Construction Bank, American Express, and so much more, including Charter Communications. And then when it comes to economic events, what are we seeing on the economic front and pulling up an economic calendar? It's not that hard to see. That is a packed week. We start Monday with a six-month bill auction and a three-month bill auction at 11.30 a.m. On Tuesday, we have the Red Book, some S&P Global economic data, Richmond Fed economic data. We have the 52-week bill auction, a two-year note auction, and an API crude oil stock change. On Wednesday, we have the MBA, real estate and mortgage data, rolling in some EIA energy data coming in at 10.30 a.m. And then we continue throughout the week. And on Thursday, of course, we get that update on the labor market, some building permits data, the Chicago Fed data, and some good orders data. And then on Friday, we have PCE, which a lot of people will be paying attention to because it gives some insight when it comes to inflation and much more macro data, including the Michigan Consumer macro data. So we're going to be paying attention to a lot of macroeconomic data next week. You'll have insights into the real estate market, insights into the labor market, insights into housing and goods. So much to see next week. Also, when it comes to, of course, the economy. But that is the show. I thank you all for listening to another episode of the Running With The Money show. And we'll be back next Friday to preview the rest. This is the Profit Trade On, and I'll see you later.